0: Welcome to the History Tricks, where any resemblance to a boring old history lesson
1: is purely coincidental. Welcome to the minicast. Today we have two subjects. We have all the dirt you ever wanted to know on Betty Crocker, that famous 50s icon. And we have details on how to enter our giveaway. It's our first giveaway. It's very exciting. So, let's just begin with Betty Crocker. Let's because she is...
0: Iconic. I mean, we talked in our 50s Housewife podcast about the
1: convenience foods of the 50s, and she is definitely associated with that era. So from around the 1920s, there was this new marketing phenomenon known as the corporate character. So many companies had them. They were also called live trademarks. (laughs) Um, They were meant to be friends of your customer, to put a personal face on a corporate foodstuff, because it really hadn't happened that much before you know, food was food. An apple was just an apple. Right. Or, you know. (laughs) Um, And so, Betty Crocker was created by a company called Gold Medal Flower. And in 1921, they ran a contest. This is how it all came about. They ran a contest, and with the entries, I mean, you could win some ridiculous thing, like a pincushion or something. It was ridiculous, but they were completely (laughs) surprised. With all the entries came all these questions. My pie crust is soggy. Why do my cakes keep falling? I don't know how to do this. They just were so excited to get an address to write to someone's name yes Yes. and so the man that was running this contest began to answer things and sign his name and then there was a feeling wait a minute maybe a man is not the best idea this is a phenomenon i can't believe this and so everyone there began to sign betty crocker so anyone who answered a customer was asked to sign the words betty crocker so they chose betty out of a pool of names because it seemed kind of homey and then Crocker was to honor a former employee. That's all. And so um, Gold Medal Flour also set up traveling cooking schools. Mm-hmm. One, in particular, in Oklahoma, sold a heck of a lot of flour. You know, more flour That They're like, the numbers looked strange. Right. What happened here? It caught the attention of corporate, and the lady in charge of this particular school was Marjorie Child Houston, and she was brought to the home office in Minneapolis. You obviously know what you're doing. She would do things like she would send... She'd land in a town and send high school girls out to like interview housewives about things and invite them to the thing. And she just had all these interesting techniques and she had a way of relating to the housewife that they thought this is what we need. Sure. So they brought her in. It's a woman they can relate to her. Oh yeah, definitely. She's a
0: businesswoman. She's a home economist. Yes. And she's a very skilled marketer.
1: She is. Um, She turned Betty Crocker, the name Betty Crocker, into this empire that stretches to the modern day, honestly. So in
0: 1924, um, Betty Crocker acquired a voice in the radio show. The radio show debuted as the nation's first cooking show.
1: No. They were voiced by different ladies because radio stations of the time didn't have a lot of range. Right. So until new technology caught up in the mid-30s when, you know, you could have one Betty Crocker. Right. <laughs> you had to have a whole bunch of local Betty Crocker. All across the country,
0: right. So, Betty Crocker in Cleveland sounded different than Betty Crocker in (laughs) Kansas City.
1: But all over the nation, ladies would get out their pencils and their pad of paper and sit eagerly and listen for this show to come on and write the recipes down and the techniques and learn things. Sure. Because the only recipes they had were ones that were passed down. They wanted something new. Yeah, it was definitely destination radio. And then the Betty Crocker brand, there was exponential growth during World War II. She helped a lot with rationing was really tight, and shortages were big, and the Betty Crocker Company reached 7 million households with some of their pamphlets about wartime strategies for dinner, basically. 4,000 letters a day addressed to Betty Crocker. That's awesome. (laughs) Um, And at this point, this whole thing's part of General Mills, which had bought. So it's a big corporation, and they wanted a personal face on it. They already had this person who'd been corresponding on the radio. They already had this person that had been corresponding with thousands of women a day. <laughs> this person, mm-hmm. this whole team of people. Right. Betty Crocker, who was about between 32 and 40, attractive, but not threateningly attractive. Mature, but youthful. Competent yet warm, all these yeah. the <laughs> ideal. <laughs> yeah. yeah, just blend to make what's going on in your head anyway. And what's funny is Mrs. Husted would go out on meetings or you know on tours or whatever, and she would be mistaken for Betty Crocker. <laughs> Everyone would assume she was Betty Crocker. <laughs> well, sure, she's representing the company. She Isn't must that funny? Be. And at first she said, "Oh, now I'm I'm just the head of public relations," and I'm and the corporate's like, "ouch." No. <laughs> Yeah. Just (laughs) say it. So it turned out eventually she would start posing as Betty Crocker just because it was easier. (laughs) Betty Crocker poser. (laughs) Well, why not? I mean, Mrs. Houston was a powerful advocate for housewives, which is ironic because as we said in our 50s housewife podcast, the people portraying housewives were all working non housewives. Right. Also, she was a serious workaholic. (laughs) She had to be. This was a big deal. Anyway, so she always said that housewives needed an advocate. I mean, Betty Crocker, well, i.e., Mrs. Husted herself, was going to be that advocate. She wrote, and I quote, Here were millions of women staying at home alone, the whole depressing mess of it. They needed someone to remind them they had value. And she was going to do it. It was important to her, though, that Betty Crocker be seen as a professional home economist. Like, if you if you ever saw Betty Crocker, she wasn't in a mm-hmm. kitchen. She was, like, in a lab or mm-hmm. in a corporate test kitchen. In the
0: Betty Crocker, quote, portraits, she's dressed in business clothes. She's not mm-hmm. dressed in an apron.
1: So that's kind of a powerful image, you know. Mm-hmm. I think the ladies of the 50s liked their experts. Yes. Honestly, the main legacy of Betty Crocker in these days is those cake mixes. And we kind of dismiss, oh, cake mixes. But, you know, think about, like, back in the day – if people stomped around on your floor too much, your cake would fall. Mm-hmm. Cakes were hard yeah. <laughs> to pull off. And and Betty Crocker and General Mills made it, you know, easy for everyone. A couple to of eggs, some water. And she taught, she and her like, I mean, almost every major corporation, mm. like the Libby's Corporation, Quaker Oats, Swift Meats, everybody had one of these ladies some of whom got confused with the people, the home economists behind them, mm-hmm. which is so funny, including Chiquita Banana, which people thought was a real lady.
0: Of course, she's walking around with all the fruit on her head. No, she didn't. The actress, no. the
1: lady didn't walk around that, but they met her. And uh, several women uh, in women's magazines had said that she was a very well-spoken woman. And I'm just like, she is not real. But whatever, so it, the funny. line was a little blurry. I think
0: this is kind of interesting. In 1945, Fortune magazine named Betty Crocker as the second most popular woman in America behind Eleanor Roosevelt. Nice. I well, I mean,
1: she was their advocate. She made yeah. life easier for them. So that's a legacy. Betty Crocker, that's we nice. salute you.
0: I salute her all the time. I make cakes. I love to make cakes, but I would start with a mix and then I add. I know. I'm kind of lazy, but... Lazy? Whatever. I'm more like... You make cakes? I make cakes. Good for you. I should bring a cake the next time. I should have brought one this time. Bummer. Thanks for joining us for our little mini-cast. See you next time. Bye.
1: Thank you to everyone for helping us get nominated in the education category in the 2011 People's Choice Podcast Awards. We are very excited. We have made it to the next step. It is now time to vote at podcastawards.com. If you could go there and vote for us, that would be great. In the education category. In the travel category, the Bowery Boys podcast, if you don't have a favorite there, you might consider downloading their podcast, listening to them, and giving them a vote. It is an amazing podcast about New York history that we highly, highly recommend. So thanks again. Thanks for getting us this far. We're so grateful that you listen to every episode, and we appreciate all that you do for us. That voting address, again, is podcastawards.com scroll down to education and click on the history Chicks. thanks a lot and now let's move to the giveaway portion of the minicast our friend who we delightfully refer to as other susan has made for us two very 1950s style aprons that we would like to give away to two of our listeners so to enter the contest all you need to do is comment on this minicast show notes where there will be photos of said aprons with, say, your favorite TV mom or a quote from your favorite 50s TV show, and we will select two random winners from all those comments on October 30th, and we will give those away and get those sent out to you. They're extremely cute. Susan's a very good um, seamstress. Just go to the show notes and follow the directions. Thanks very much for listening.
0: It's four in the morning, you sneak out of bed and tiptoe down the stairs. Go to the kitchen, leave off the light, the Pillsbury cookie dough's waiting there. Yeah, you open the door, take the tube in your hand, get the scissors down from the shelf.